All right, this is Fundraising Radio, and today's guest speaker we have Sunny, who is the Vice President of Tech Coast Angels, Los Angeles chapter. And this episode, we're going to focus on this Tech Coast Angels, what is an angel syndicate, how to apply for it, how does it work, what does it look like, etc. So, Sunny, let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Tech Coast Angels for those of us who don't know what TCA is. Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you, Constantine. Uh, great to be here uh, to all the listeners out there. I hope you're staying safe in this uh, trying period. Uh, Tech Coast Angels is one of the most famous and one of the largest angel investor networks here in the United States. I'm vice president at Tech Coast Angels Los Angeles. And for me, what an angel group means is a number of people, high net worth accredited investors who come together to invest in startups and early stage startups uh, all the way from seed to series A. And uh, some background on myself. I have a very deep technical background. I got my PhD here in electrical engineering at UCLA, uh, worked for a number of different corporations and startups. And then over time, I transitioned into investing uh, now I'm an investor full time. I invest in real estate and early stage startups. And that's what I do. Um, thank you, Constantine. Sure. I'm more than happy to have you here. I think this episode is going to be epic because many people are starting to look into uh, angel syndicates and TCA is just like a holy grail for, for founders, I think. So uh, let's talk about Tech Coast Angels a bit more. How does this uh, how does the application process work? So from the, let's go. Okay, so um, the easiest way to apply to Tech Coast Angels is through their website. It's techcoastangels.com. And each chapter has their own section of the website. If you're based in Los Angeles, you would apply to the Los Angeles chapter and so on and so forth. Now, if you're based outside California and you had no geographical link to a chapter, you would just apply to the chapter where the membership looks the most uh, applicable to you. For example, San Diego is very life sciences heavy. Uh, Los Angeles is extremely consumer products and technology heavy. So then you would go with that. Go to the website. The application materials and resources are there. That's how you'd, you would apply. Now, I will say one caveat there. Uh, if you already know a few members in Tech Coast Angels and you're referred by them, the application process becomes a lot easier. Right. That's so, the yeah. question that I actually wanted to follow up with. Does it make sense to reach out to, to those people who are part of TCA? Does it make sense to us? I mean, does it make sense to, for example, reach out to you on LinkedIn and ask you to, I don't know, review your pitch deck or mm -hmm. something like that? That should founders do that? Yes. I I recommend it. I would say that reach out to individual angel investors who are part of TCA and then uh, make sure that they give you positive feedback before you apply, that would drastically improve your chances of being accepted for a pitch or a screening meeting. Got it. That's awesome. So I was also curious, I know that TCA makes a really thorough um, background check and they have a great due diligence process. So how long does it take from application to receiving an actual check from TCA? How, how long does it usually take? 
Well, the time has been reducing over the years because we've started streamlining our processes and and obviously we have to stay in line with the market. So so there are institutions out there that will write you a check by just meeting you a couple of times. And, and we obviously don't do that. We have a formal due diligence process mm -hmm. uh, from screening. And by screening, I mean you've you've applied and you've been accepted to present to them to the group. That presentation is called the screening or a pitch meeting, as a lot of people would call it. From that point onwards, all the way till you get your check is usually four weeks, sometimes six. That's pretty fast. To be quite honest, I've expected it to be longer. But what's oh, no. this? What's no, the four to six. That's that's really cool to know. I, I, I was thinking of like two, three months. So uh, no. it's much better than I expected. No. So what's the average check size that uh, Angel syndicates, right? And for example, what's the average check of the TCA? I know it varies a lot, but can you give me the Yeah, I, I can't give you an average number, but I can definitely give you a range. Uh, we, the, let me put it this way. The last half a dozen deals that I've seen have ranged between 250,000 to about 3 million, which is a crazy range, I know. Oh yeah. But it depends on how many investors get interested um, and how many chapters get involved. So one thing to note here is that the deal that ended up getting funded for two or $3 million was uh, a deal that originated in the San Diego chapter, got interest in the LA chapter and was syndicated among three chapters. And, and they ended up raising a significant portion of their uh, series seed round through TCA. And, and so, uh, the deal that ended up being on the lower side had very little interest, only a few angels were interested, and the it, chapter that originated the deal kept it to itself, so you only had $250,000 coming in. Got it. So here, let's talk a little bit about the investment process when it's already on the cap table. So uh, even I personally don't quite understand how it works, so let's clarify it a little bit for me and for my listeners. Does uh, sure. do Angel Group, so specifically TCA, does it invest as one entity or do angels invest um, separately one by one? And how does it look on the cap table? Uh, we've seen both both scenarios play out. Um, I have seen cases where individuals invest and then on the cap table, you'll see the, the names of the individual investors or their entities. Uh, sometimes we also use a special purpose vehicle where, you know, Tech Coast Angels will be represented as a single entity on the cap table. So we've done both and it depends to a large degree on the terms uh, on the table. And it also depends to a large degree on the founder itself. Some people are more comfortable with the former approach and some prefer the latter where they really want an SPV. So, so we've done both. Right. Yeah, SPV sounds like an option sometimes. So uh, besides the check that basically all investors can write, what else does Techco Essentials provide to the founders who raise money from them? A number of different things. So so uh, I'll dive in a little bit into the fund. Uh, sure. Each chapter has an internal venture fund, which quite a few people aren't aware of. Um, when there's sufficient interest in a company, the venture fund for that chapter will also write a check. That's one great thing that it's follow on capital without any extra due diligence. Um, all it ha all that needs to be done is that the due diligence team nominates you 
and the fund writes a check, which is great. So that's one way of helping, follow on capital. The second thing is we do sometimes exercise pro rata rights. So angels tend to have pro rata rights, early stages, they like that. And uh, I've seen many angels and even the fund sometimes doubling down on investments which are doing well. So you could, mm -hmm. you could expect follow on capital if you're doing well. Uh, that's the second way we help. The third way, making connections. So an investor network like Tech Coast Angels that has over 500 high net worth, really established individuals, typically has at least a few individuals from every domain with connections right across the United States. Uh, connections are a big part of what we provide. Connections, help, mentorship, guidance, uh, all these soft services that you would otherwise not get if you were ra raising all your money from a single person or a single institution. Right. That sounds like a ton of benefit, to be quite honest. Right. Uh, so my question was uh, about part of your answer to my previous question, actually. So you said that every chapter of uh, TCA, for example, has a fund, right? I was curious, how mm -hmm. is this fund funded? Is it part of agreement of angel investors who are part of the Tech Coast Angels and they are uh, forced basically to put some money into that fund or how, how do how do those funds raise money? Yeah, uh, there's no compulsion at this point. Uh, it, the, all the funds are only members only, so we don't accept people from outside into the fund. That might change in the years going ahead, but the only reason we don't accept people from outside is we have a very stringent background check process for everyone who comes in, um, making sure that they're accredited and also making sure that they don't have any history of uh, liability in their backgrounds. Making And that's very important. A lot of founders don't understand that they raise money from just about anyone, sometimes people who are not accredited, and that can expose you to a lot of liability. So our fund is members only, mostly because of the safety reasons. Right, that makes complete sense. And here I actually want to go back to the beginning of our present, I mean, of our uh, episode, and talk a little bit about uh, the background check that you run on startups, not uh, the investors. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what when you get the submission, right? When someone clicks on the website, submit the pitch deck or uh, something like that. Who is in charge of actually going through those pitch decks? Yeah, we have a. We have something called a pre-screening committee. Uh, each mm -hmm. chapter has its own pre-screening committee. It consists of a number of veteran angels and also some people, uh, you know, who are part of the administration. Uh, in Los Angeles, for example, we have Jody Dunnitz, who's the head of pre-screening. She's, she's extremely, extremely qualified. Uh, she's also faculty at the Anderson Business School here at UCLA. Uh, she's been part of multiple startups. She has probably seen over 10,000, maybe 15,000 pitch decks in okay. her life. And so, yeah, she, she, she's pretty good. She's, she's the head there, but we have a number of other veteran angels who, and by veteran, I mean experience, not, you know, military veterans. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, so, uh, and they, they form the pre-screening committee that makes sure that the quality of the deals and the pitch decks and the application materials is up to a standard. Right, that sounds very, very organized. And here I want to talk a little bit about what happens after the pre-screening process is done. So once the startup is approved by this pre-screening committee and he or she presents his or her idea to the room full of investors, right? 
as an individual investor, what do you personally like to invest in? What do you like to see on those pitch decks? Like three bullet points that you really are looking for on the pitch decks. Okay, my personal opinion. The first thing I look for that is the problem and the solution stated clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a big misstep. Most people don't do that. They'll start with the solution, but won't have a problem in mind, and that's going backwards. So so I always want them to lead with a problem and then have a solution. That's the first thing. Second thing is the team background sufficiently detailed. Uh, I want to see how this team can solve this particular problem. And finally, I'm very interested in financials. Um, I'm very very interested in what has happened in the past, what is happening right now and what their projections are for the future. So financials, uh, problem and solution, and team. Those are the three most important things to me. I don't even care about the product till I see these three things. Right, that's really, that's that's rough. But I think it really makes sense if you see so many pitches and you just need to- Yeah, I mean, it, it might sound rough, but you know, <laughs> honestly, uh, what I've seen is the products change dramatically from seed stage to series A to series oh, B. Yeah. Sometimes the company isn't even recognizable after a few funding rounds. <laughs> the only thing that remains constant is the cash you're getting, the people that are on your team, hopefully, and the problem you set out to solve. And sometimes even that changes. Right. And actually here, I want to ask you a question about the team. I've seen some founders trying to do a startup by, their, uh, by themselves actively seeking mm -hmm. for a co-founder but sometimes it's just hard to find a co-founder so uh what would you recommend to people who are actually starting something by themselves what's the option here yeah so i never like to discourage uh single founders like people who are just starting by themselves i i i definitely feel that it's difficult to have all the skills you need to succeed as one person i'm not saying it's impossible it's just difficult um, they should actively continue searching for co-founders, if not co-founders, at least, you know, at least employees who can complement their skills. Um, my recommendation is reach out to your network, reach out to people in your, um, you know, in your circle, uh, reach out to institutions, reach out to early stage uh, infrastructure support people. Uh, go to co-working spaces, try to find co-founders and employees that are going to complement your skills. Because if you're just one person, it's going to be very, very difficult. And, and I don't mean this in a discouraging way at all. There are certain industries where just one person is good enough, uh, especially if you don't have a lot of, uh, you know, heavy sales or heavy on the ground execution work, maybe pure software, very, very specific industries. <laughs> but usually just one co-founder is a difficult it, it's it's difficult to get off and really take off so. oh yeah it sounds like it. i have seen very very few people doing that successfully so um here let's go maybe to a more happier part of our episode and let's talk about some of the biggest successes that you've seen in your lifetime during the TCA uh, career? Oh, so what's like the, yeah, the, the project that you've invested in or maybe you've seen just like explode oh, yeah. from TCA? Sure. Um, have you heard of, a, there have been a number of different ones, but the most recent one, I got an update just two days ago. Have you heard of MindBody? MindBody, no, not really. It sounds like yeah, something actually... that I would not 
care much about the body. Oh no, you they're 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 a massive company. Um uh the mind body recently so so I'll give you a little bit of a um background on this company. Sure. The way mind body works, it's a fit it's a wellness, basically fitness and wellness company. And it's based in uh, San Luis Obispo. Yeah. So in slow up there uh, in California. And it's amazing. They, I think they have 1500 employees. They started, um, they started in the early two thousands where TCA was an investor. Uh, I know wave maker was an investor. um, And TCA was part of the angel syndicate that wave maker was running and this was great wave maker had their own round tca got in on the round uh to give you an idea of the multiple that was achieved in cash because they got a buyout in cash um i believe a few people invested maybe five thousand dollars into the company mm-hmm. and they ended up with over a million dollars returned so oh God. i would say i would say yeah yeah two 200 200 time multiple yeah that's insane and and that was that was one of the one of the more lukewarm successes there have there has been a few successes where they've gotten over 500 times their money some there've been a few here and there and uh, this was the most recent one that came to mind which i just i just got the notice that everyone got their payout and their cash and people who put in 25 grand ended up with five or six million. People who put in five grand ended up with over a million. That's that's how it worked. So, I love how that sounds. That's a really, really encouraging story, <laughs> to be quite honest. So uh, let's go back to the, to the more uh, common questions uh, and talk about what stage should people try to reach to angel investors and angel syndicates. So I know that TCA usually tries to invest pre after revenue, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we like traction. Yep. Right. So what's your recommendation to someone who is who, for example, has an MVP, but doesn't have traction yet? Maybe that MVP is not like quite good enough to gain traction. What what should he or she do? So um... By MVP, I'm assuming you mean minimum viable product. Yep. Right. And so the industry you're talking about is, I'm guessing, consumer software. Yeah, let's go with consumer. Different industry. Yeah, because MVP stuff, you know, if you're doing like life sciences, you can't release an MVP; it'll kill people, right? So, (laughs) uh, I mean, there there are industries where this MVP concept doesn't apply, but people still try to apply it. Oh yeah. So let, let, let's go with the consumer one where it can be applied safely without killing anyone. So I would caution people to differentiate between a prototype and an MVP. At an MVP stage, this should have at least some early adopters, some feedback from customers, some feedback from people who are using the product and paying for it. Because if there's no feedback and there's no critical adoption, then, then it's not really an MVP. And I would really, really look really hard at what we're making because without any traction i i have serious doubts about whether that product is really at an mvp stage or it's still a prototype right that works that works absolutely so um what do you think uh let's look at this a little bit from the angel investor perspective what's the major benefit of joining an angel syndicate versus being a solo investor 
Oh, you mean from from an angel investor's perspective? Yeah. Yeah. The the difference is is it's a night and day difference. Um, uh, take myself for example. If I wasn't part of this group, I have would have absolutely no idea how to evaluate a company, how to invest, how to diversify my portfolio. There's a very very steep learning curve, which you're not taught in business school. You're not taught in you know your professional life. This is an industry that requires learning from colleagues. It's like, you know, you, this is an old school example, but if you wanted to be a blacksmith, you had to be an apprentice first, which is how angel investing is too. You have to get through an apprenticeship with more experienced angel investors to become a good angel investor. Or you have buddies at a venture capital firm that can teach you some of this. But being a solo investor without experience, this is a very high risk business. It's very easy to just lose all your money. Oh yeah, I've seen some people uh, who want to join this investor path instead of joining some syndicate, trying to go through Republic or uh, Start Engine or uh, City Invest. Do you think that's an option at all, or is it not really working? Uh, you know, whenever someone says that I'm part of like you know a syndicate on Angel List or or Angel.co or or start engine i always ask them what are your portfolio returns for that mm -hmm. syndicate for for those people that's my first question because if if someone knows what they're doing they're making money it's as simple as that uh if they can't produce the results to show that their portfolio is making a decent amount of money then for me that's not a reasonable avenue now the problem is tc has been around for like 25 years so we have a lot of results to show you know we have a lot of oh, yeah. return data we have a lot of portfolio data it's like those old school vc firms they have a lot of track record the problem with some of the newer platforms is they're so new that we don't know what the results are going to be so i don't have enough knowledge to say whether they're good or bad but uh i wouldn't i wouldn't comment either way till i see what their portfolio does that's that's um, i think a great response so last question and then we're going to wrap it up so uh my standard question to all investors and founders is this what would be your advice to someone who is just starting his or her startup right now what should first three steps that they should take uh identify the problem and solution very very clearly uh identify the size of the problem you're solving to make sure there's potential and identify your exit. So clear path to solving a problem that's big enough and is going to make you the money that you need uh, because it's going to be a painful task. So if you if you got those three steps down, you're already ahead of a lot of people. Right. What's your, I thought that's going to be my last question. No, it's not going to be my last question. You said uh, identify the market size, right? to see mm -hmm. if there is a, a need for that. And how what's the best way to do this? Because I've seen some people making some weird market identification. So like if the startup is in real estate, they're gonna give me an estimate uh, worth of the whole real estate in the US. I'm like, no, that's not not what yeah. your market is. So what's the, the perfect way to identify the, the target audience, the target market? So uh, two ways. One, identify a profile of the who's going to be your customer, right? 
Mm-hmm. That's this is one way of going about it. You could do population analysis instead of doing market analysis, and you identify your ideal customer. It's this person who's going to buy my product. How many of those people exist? How many of those people actually buy? And then you get a sense of the market. For example, someone's doing real estate services, and they say, "Oh, five trillion dollars," because that's what the real estate market is. Uh-huh. No, identify the homeowner that's really going to buy your services. How many of those homeowners exist, and how much money are they going to spend every month? Easy, right? Yeah. Sounds easy. So I would not, go. Yeah, I would not, go customer facing rather than product facing. You know. Yeah, that's that's a good advice. I actually like it. And this point, we're gonna wrap it up. Sunny, thanks a lot for joining today. Thanks for sharing so much new information on Tech Coast Angels. I thought I knew most of it, but nope, I didn't. Thanks, thanks a lot for that. I hope it's no gonna... worries, Constantine. Yeah, yeah. Stay safe out there. You really thought it's the end of the episode? Nope, not yet. In these uncertain times when a weird virus is spinning out of control and investors are trying to figure out where to put their money not to lose it all, I have an answer. Invest in human capital. I will be among the first 10 people to participate in something called human IPO. So shortly about how it works. You can buy futures on my time now when it costs just $100 per hour. And when I become Mark Zuckerberg 2.0, and my time is worth uh, $1,000 per hour, you can sell it or redeem it, either making 10x return or bringing me to your firm as an advisor or speaker for a few hours. My offering is not live yet, so now you can only subscribe to my updates, but please do so and become the first one to buy my time when my offering goes live. To sum it up, in dark days, buy time, not toilet paper, and your money won't be flushed into the toilet. I'll leave a link to my profile on Human IPO in the description of this episode. And thanks again for listening to Fundraising Radio.